today, we're heading straight for the towers. That is, the ivory tower. We're launching our first segment, the academic perspective. In this segment, we're talking to professors and PhDs that have spent their careers studying private capital. Our first guest is Dr. Joshua Lerner. Dr. Lerner is a Harvard Business School professor and the director of the Private Capital Research Institute. He has an exceptional ability to think and work in an interdisciplinary way. The foundation and groundwork of his research on private equity has paved the path for future researchers and made him a leading authority on the industry. I'm your host, Shruti Rao, and this is Counting on Capital. Dr. Lerner, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you on. You have a very diverse background, studying everything from physics to technology. You spent time at the Brookings Institute and even on Capitol Hill. How did you first become passionate about private capital and what led you to study private equity? So, so essentially, I got interested in this largely after, um, after college. As you mentioned, I went to um, work at the Brookings Institution. And we had, um, uh, they had basically had their a program, which I believe the um, Ford Foundation had funded, where they were trying to get scientists involved in uh, public policy-related issues. And so they had essentially at Brookings one floor that was economists and one floor that was international people and another floor that was political scientists. And what they did is they put one uh, scientist on each floor, and I was sort of the, um, the, the gopher, the boy Friday for... Uh, each for for the three scientists, and you know I don't think it was a hugely successful uh, experiment from Brookings's perspective because the scientists really only talked to each other rather than talking to the economists and the political scientists. But it was an extremely interesting time in the uh, 1980s, as you recall. There was um, you know there was a lot of concern about people writing books like Japan is number one. There was a lot of concern about. U.S. industrial competitiveness and efforts to try to boost both technology transfer at universities as well as startup firms and innovation. And I realized not after that long that while we were, um, you know, we weren't really that knowledgeable about the way in which um, the government policy should be operating even understanding what was going on in the private sector in terms of how companies were getting funded, who was getting funded, and so forth, was ended up being completely uh, underexplored and really wide open. So I ended up uh, with the encouragement of one of the uh, fellows uh, at the Kennedy School, Lou Branscombe, who had been the chief scientist at IBM and run the um, the National um, Institutes for Standard and Technology in DC into coming up to Harvard, where I largely focused on the early stage financing on venture capital and how wrote a thesis that sort of explored how venture capital worked, who got funded, when did they take companies public, uh, you know, a lot of uh, stuff that was you know, it seems pretty basic, but really had gotten very little exploration to that point. And um, that ended up 
leading to me joining HBS, which even at those early days, he had a lot of student interest in the, um, you know, the VC and P space. So after doing my couple years of duty teaching the um, first year finance class, I introduced the, uh, the VC and P class at HBS. And, you know, once one starts doing research around issues around partnerships and so forth, you know, you realize that as uh, interesting as the uh, venture space is, there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on in PE as well. Of course, you know, a lot of the issues are quite parallel, but, you know, each one has got their own kind of peculiarities and issues that are their own and quite, quite interesting in their own right. So I ended up wandering into that area as well and pretty much have been um, uh, stuck in these topic uh, ever since. So that's the short answer. So I want to start off and talk about the role of private capital in our economy. The scale of private capital that is invested is mind-boggling and thus tremendously powerful. How do we harness that power in a way that is truly productive? And what do you think should be the role of government in regulating how that capital is deployed? Well, I think that's an enormously interesting question. It's also a really complicated question. Uh, because um, when one thinks about um, venture and in uh, private equity, they in, as well as private debt and so forth, they pose very different sets of issues and concerns. You know, none of them without issues, but you know, different kinds of uh, different kinds of issues and different kinds of uh, uh, concerns being out there, right? And in particular, I think when we think about the venture landscape, you know, a lot of the discussion has been less about VC-backed companies of today, but more the VC-backed companies of yesterday. The the you know the big tech companies and the potential for monopoly and using their platforms in ways that end up being problematic for uh, new ventures, as well as to a certain extent about you know what do we think about corporate venturing and how do we think about those issues? Some issues around uh, foreign investments in Silicon Valley and you know some of the potential concerns raised there. In the buyout world, it's, it is a somewhat different set of concerns, right? Because certainly when we think about the um, transitions in, you know, around buyouts, you know, often it is very large numbers of workers where, you know, many people would probably describe it as having been in an implicit social contract before about the company and the workers. And in some sense, uh, the private equity groups are coming and shaking things up and you could argue breaking those social contracts, you know, some cases for good, some cases for bad, some cases for both, but where there's a lot of, um, a lot of um, food for thought there. There certainly is. So let's talk about the shift in labor markets. We've seen a macro trend of manufacturing going overseas and the U.S. becoming a service economy. And with that has come a focus on job creation in the United States. You've done extensive work looking at labor and employment. What do we know from academic research about how private equity impacts jobs? Well, this has been one of these topics that um, seems to raise everyone's blood pressure. Uh, and But it's an important question. And I guess I would argue that we are much better served having a set of facts to look at and discuss rather than 
relying on anecdotes either of where private equity invested in a company and a lot of jobs were lost or a lot of jobs that were gained. Having you know a base of systematic knowledge makes a, a, a big difference in, um, in terms of formulating these uh, answers to these, to these questions. I guess if you look at it, you really have to say um, perhaps one of the challenges is that it doesn't lend itself to uh, 140 characters in terms of you know private equity all being uh, good or private equity being being all 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 bad. I think that you know if you were to sort of look at what we found, we find several striking patterns in our most recent study. One of which is that you know that when we look at productivity. Private equity-backed firms do have a substantial boost in terms of the uh, productivity in the couple years after the after the transaction, and certainly that's something that uh, you know, given the concerns about the slowdown in productivity growth, not just in the U.S. but across the West, is a first order of first order importance to us as economists, right? That. If you know, in some sense, growing the pie is the first thing. Then there's a set of questions about how the pie gets sliced up. The second thing we found is that there were, when you compared the companies, and we did this whole analysis looking at the companies relative to other companies of roughly the same industry, the same age, the same size, and so forth. So trying to do as close uh, apples to apples match as we could do, we saw that there were. Um, some degree of job losses, that it was on the order of around 2% a year in terms of, or, or one, one, a, little more like 1%, a little more than 1% a year in terms of job losses relative to the, um, to the, um, uh, to the um, uh, peer companies, um, uh, particularly when one went through the process of, um, you know, controlling for, you know, really looking or, at, organic job growth rather than just simply growing by acquiring a bunch of people. That when you looked at it, you did see this couple year, couple percent a year loss in terms of the, uh, in terms of the jobs relative to the peers. Um, thirdly, one did see some evidence that um, there was a, a, a decline in wages that, again, looking at everything relative to the peers, the private equity-backed firms started with... Uh, at the time of the buyout, having a wage premium of a couple percent uh, prior to the deal. And by the end of it, they were more comparable to the peer companies, but it did seem that that, had got, that wage premium had been squeezed out. So those were a few of the things that we saw that were you know, perhaps most striking. We also saw um, you know, a lot of differences that may be interesting you know, over the economic cycle that, um, in particular, uh, deals that were done in periods like this, like uh, uh, downturns where capital is expensive and so forth, generally had a lot more productivity growth than deals that were done when uh, the the markets were uh, you know more uh, were kinder and where there was a lot of debt sloshing around, a lot of cheap debt sloshing around. I think the point that you made about the need for data is so important. The conversation around private capital is often done in absolute terms. Private capital is good. Private capital is bad. But this is a nuanced conversation, and it makes sense that we need data to better study this industry. So you founded and direct the Private Capital Research Institute. Can you tell us more about the PCRI? 
What is your team working on and what work still needs to be done? Well, the effort of the PCRI has really been to try to encourage people to do work in this area, largely by creating data infrastructure. And essentially by that, it sounds like a very boring word, uh, but it actually turns out to be sort of important, right? Which is that, you know, looking at many of these things is really hard, that getting the information is hard, cleaning the information up is really hard, and it often, these the just that process can take years. And certainly as uh, young people in grad school or as assistant professors, people don't necessarily have years and years to put into, you know, very uncertain kinds of projects because they need to go out and get a job and get tenure and all these other, uh, all these other great things. So the idea here has been to say, can we bridge some gap here and really try to tackle uh, some of these important topics or make it easier for others to tackle these important topics. So for instance, I'll mention two things we're doing quickly. Uh, one of which is essentially looking at what are termed certificates of incorporation, which in the venture capital realm are basically filed in states where companies are based, often in Delaware. Uh, really essentially every time there's a financing round and they lay out all the features about how the deals are structured, the governance and so forth. They're very interesting documents. They're also very hard to get, particularly in Delaware, which is where most of the companies are incorporated. And with the support of the Sloan Foundation, we've been doing a big effort to uh, plow through all the files in Delaware. The Secretary of State's office there has been quite helpful in terms of getting a lot of information, which we're gonna, now going to make available for uh, researchers, both in PDF form as well as coded and so forth. Another thing we're doing is working with the um, uh, ongoing project with the Census Bureau. And again, the notion is to say, let's make it easier for people to dig dig into this stuff. Uh, normally, it turns out to be pretty hard to pick out the private equity-backed firms. You know, the records often are, uh, you know, it's just complicated when you've got change of control and so forth. So again, we're making a big effort to try to pull together as much information as we can the final thing we do is try to encourage dissemination, which again is sort of about the idea of trying to get uh, people together with uh, limited partners, with general partners, with policymakers, you know, especially young people doing cutting edge research, getting them to talk about their work, form some relationships, hopefully get some interesting data and so forth. So earlier today when we were talking about job creation, you mentioned how it's a topic that gets everyone's blood pressure up. And they actually think more broadly, this question of what role does private equity play in society? What role does private equity play in our economy can lead to a fairly heated conversation. Now, you study this question through the lens of academia. And I wonder, why do you think this is such a heated conversation? And how can private equity deploy its capital in a way that's sustainable, ethical, and value generating? Well, um, I think we need around two hours to really resolve that issue because it is such a, uh, a, um, a complicated one. I think on the one hand, you know, clearly um, you can see why the private nature of it raises anxieties, right? That I think if uh, you and I were working at a firm which was being bought out by an investor we didn't know a lot about where the incentives or how they worked were, uh, unclear, you can see how that raises, would, would very legitimately 
uh, raise uh, anxiety, and you can see where that where that um, where that where that stems from. And I think that it's also fair to say that you know there's a lot. I mean, we can point to both. As we know, there's situations where private equity has come in and helped companies tremendously and allowed them to survive periods like this, to grow, to do acquisitions, and so forth. And then we can point to cases where you know there were you know dividends paid out very early on, re-leveraging, and the companies ended up uh, going 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 belly up. So there is an emotion. You know, you can see where the emotions come from. But I think what we've tried to do in our research, at least if we've been successful at it, is to try to say, you know, let's look at what's going on and where the evidence suggests there potentially is problems and where there isn't. So, you know, certainly one of the key things we found in our research, for instance, is that when you look across different buyout transactions or across buyouts done at different times, you know, you see tremendous differences between public to private and private to private deals, for instance, and so forth. So I think that one of the concerns I've had about the policy process in a lot of places, it's been formulated as a one-size-fits-all thing that we've got buyouts and we need to address them. And while this might be a nuanced message and harder to convey, I think one of the things that, it, that our research would suggest is a more surgical approach of trying to identify where are the situations which are most likely to be problematic and think about policy responses there is probably much more the way that I would think makes sense to go. I want to shift gears and talk about the coronavirus crisis. This crisis is not only having a catastrophic effect on public health, but it's also nearly shut down our economy. What do you think could be the constructive effect of private equity in rebuilding and reopening businesses? Well, I think it's a really interesting question, and uh, I suspect we will uh, there'll be a lot of innovation and creativity around it in the um, uh, months and years to come. You know, one of the interesting things we did see in our study of the global financial crisis in 2000, uh, you know, eight, nine, and ten, where we focused on the UK, where we could get a lot of information, both on uh, uh, private equity-backed firms as well as other private firms, was that there was a tremendous amount of diversity in terms of uh, how firms reacted, but in general, that the private equity-backed firms seemed to do better, that they ended up you know, being able to preserve their relationships with the banks, get more, or get, you know, get their bank lending cut less, get more equity financing. And as a result, we're able to turn that into, uh, you know, more, you know, more investment and more gain market share during the period where many other people were radically cutting back. So I think that does give some optimism for what might be some of the potential impact of private equity, at least for the subset of companies that, they've invested in. But I assume we're going to have no end of challenges and any, I think we certainly will welcome any brilliant ideas. <laughs> I'm right there with you. All right, Dr. Leonard, before I let you go, I must follow up on a rumor I've heard for the sake of our listeners. Is it true that you own not one, but multiple donkeys? Yeah, I am a donkey hoarder. It's true. <laughs> Well, as usual, it started with one and it went from there. <laughs> well, Dr. Lerner, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure to have you on. It was really great. Thank you so much for all the great questions. Thank you.
All right, everyone, thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I think Dr. Lerner summed it up best when he said that the conversation around the impact of private equity doesn't lend itself to 140 characters. These are complex issues, and thus there aren't easy, straightforward answers. And to make it even more challenging, Dr. Lerner shared with us that there's been a serious lack of research quality data to date. The good news is that he and his team at the Private Capital Research Institute are well on their way to creating high-quality data that I'm confident will set us up to learn more. Join us next time, where we continue the conversation. We'll be interviewing Professor Greg Brown at UNC. He founded and directs the Institute for Private Capital and is well-recognized as a pioneer in private equity research. Until next time, I'm your host, Shruti Rao, and this is Counting on Capital.